0: Welcome to the Michigan in Focus podcast, powered by the Center Square. I'm Bruce Walker, Midwest Regional Editor of the Center Square Newswire Service. Michigan in Focus is a production of America's Talking Network. And you can find all of the Center Square's great podcast at americastalking.com. We ask you to subscribe to Michigan in Focus wherever you listen to your podcast. And we're recording today on Thursday, August 11th, 2022. And joining me today, as he does every week, is our intrepid Michigan reporter, Scott McClellan. Scott, how are you today? I'm doing great, Bruce. How are you? Well, I'm doing fine. I'm doing pretty well. It's been a busy week thus far. Here we are on Thursday afternoon. And why don't you tell me what you're working on for today? I have yet, to, I have yet to go through the plethora of words that you provide me with on a daily basis. So, uh, let me know what uh, what story you're working on right now.
1: The federal government is giving twenty five million dollars to rebuild nearly two miles of Michigan Avenue near Detroit uh, to create a shared use corridor that will include dedicated transit and autonomous vehicle lanes. And construction is expected to start for that in 2024. So that's one story I'm working on.
0: Okay. And then there's another one uh, that uh, we discussed this morning. And uh, it's about a an Oakland County millage. And uh, give me some of the details on that.
1: Yeah. So on the November 8th ballot, Oakland County voters will decide whether to approve a millage seeking to raise $66.1 million in the first of 10 years to fund county-wide public transit. So with voter approval, the 0.95 millage would equate to uh, a tax of 0.95 cents per $1,000 of taxable home value. So the millage seeks to raise $66 million and broken down, uh, nearly 38 million of that would maintain the current service just over $20 million would improve and expand service, and $7 million would be spent on capital improvements.
0: Okay, well, let's, let's bounce from the Lower Peninsula, the Southeast Southeast Michigan, Michigan, to the Upper Peninsula. And um, I see that there's a $325,000 manufacturing business expansion Where is that? And what is that for? And where's the money coming from?
1: The money's coming from the uh, Michigan Economic Development Corporation, and it's giving $325,000 to LP Building Solutions for a $194 million business expansion in Segola Township, uh, which is in the Upper Peninsula. So the Company uh, says that it will create 50 jobs with the nearly 200 million dollar business business expansion.
0: So let's uh, uh, fly spec this just a little bit, Scott. Okay, because we we talk about this and practically every week, there's a a government outlay of taxpayer dollars to for to. Uh, expand businesses, to help businesses, to uh, go to startup businesses and and what have you. And And the promise is always, well, it's good paying jobs. It's good paying jobs. But, you know, do these really transpire? And, and do they really do this? Is it really necessary to invest government money to in order for this these things to happen? I mean, would they happen anyway?
1: Uh, that depends who you talk to. So if you talk to the state, uh, they would be adamant that this investment would not have happened barring taxpayer money. But I also talked to the McNaught Center for Public Policies Director of Fiscal Policy, uh, James Homan, who questioned why taxpayers are subsidizing the private business expansion. He said, quote, it's money that could be spent elsewhere or left with taxpayers, end quote. So Homan uh, disagrees. He said that the expansion probably would have happened without the taxpayer money and that that additional money was kind of icing on the cake for the private company.
0: Right, right, and and I I guess uh, are there any provisions in these agreements that if the company doesn't provide the promised number of jobs, that they would have to give some of the money back, or that they would have the jobs that they promised might be provided, but uh, within two years they're laying off employees. That's a good question. I'm
1: not totally sure if there are clawback provisions in this contract. I need to look deeper into that.
0: okay. All right, and and it, it, seriously, it wasn't a gotcha question. It's just one of those things that uh, you you see enough of these uh, uh, giveaways from the the government to corporations. and you know us, you know i'm I don't begrudge. The success of a small business in the Upper Peninsula is one of my favorite places on the planet. I'm just wondering how much financial sense it makes. I mean, if I were, you know, think of the government as a parent and picking and choosing which one of your children you're going to give more money to. And one child says, I have a bakery. And the other one says, I have a, a shoe shop. And uh, the the child who owns the bakery is Al Bundy, who would actually do much better in a shoe shop. So I, I, I just ask these questions because... I'm a pop culture fanatic and these things uh, spring into my mind. So anyway, let's, let's move along. And there's uh, one other story that you put on uh, your, your list to discuss. And that is, it's a biggie. It's a biggie. And uh, this is another one, depending on who you talk to, we've had uh, the retrial. For uh, two of the individuals involved in the Whitmer kidnapping caper, uh, so the retrial started yesterday. We had jury selection on Tuesday, and the the retrial started yesterday. So give us give us some background information. okay, so there was a trial. Some of the defendants were acquitted. Others, there was a hung jury, so there was a mistrial. And so now they're going to retrial. I'll let you take it from there. You know far more about this than I do.
1: Yeah, and uh, two people also pleaded guilty and turned state's witness. So in the Jackson County case, uh, three people, Joseph Morrison, Paul Beller, and Pete Musico, are all charged with gang membership, which is a 20-year felony, providing material support for terrorist acts, in carrying a firearm during the commission of a felony. So in the Jackson County case, uh, a judge granted motions to uh, set the ground rules for the trial. And uh, some of those ground r- rules included uh, precluding inadmissible evidence about FBI agents. They added admissible co-conspirator statements and they prohibited uh, asking uh, certain FBI agents questions about uh, alleged perjury.
0: Okay. Well, I, I'm, I'm just uh, looking back at my, my vast experience watching legal programs on television. And uh, it, it just seems that uh, the, the judge is more or less stacking the deck against the defendants. I mean, doesn't it seem that way to you? I mean, this is the, the same judge that oversaw the, the previous trial. Correct.
1: Yeah the the motions definitely uh, seem to hurt the defendants because I mean there was there were a lot of um, apparent missteps by the FBI by multiple of the actual agents and as well uh, of alleged informants turned rogue double agents. So the the I think what the judge is trying to do is to kind of zoom in just on this trial. I think they're trying to separate this trial from the last trial.
0: Gotcha. Okay. Well, let's uh, keep up to date on that and I'm sure there'll be more to talk about next week. I mean, have you been following anything that's been going on on the trial since uh, it began yesterday?
1: Uh, Not a lot. I've just been following paperwork of the state cases
0: Okay. And uh, n- nothing really to add about that?
1: The uh, five Antrim County defendants are scheduled for a preliminary examination in late August or early September. And the three people, uh, Joseph Morrison, Paul Beller, and Pete Musico, are, I believe, uh, they're set for an October 3rd trial.
0: Okay. All right. Well, and, and this ties in also with a story that you wrote, and uh, the headline in that is A.G. Nessel. Uh, state prevails and Whitmer kidnapping motions. Is there anything to add from that story to what you've discussed thus far?
1: No, uh, just based on those approved motions, it seems like the defense has their work cut out for them. But we'll we're going to have to see until the trial.
0: Okay, gotcha, gotcha. Okay, well, I'm I'm going to talk a little bit about a story that I filed yesterday on on Wednesday, and this is. Um, uh, Something to look forward to. This is a, a school choice story, and the "Let My Kids Learn" uh, filed enough signatures, and of course, they have to, all these signatures have to be canvassed, and we know that full well from what happened in prior to the primaries here for the individuals who. Were taken off the ballot running for governor because some of their signatures were invalid. But this is 520,000 signatures have been filed by let my kids learn with the Michigan Bureau of Elections. And it's going to put an education choice initiative on this November's general election ballot. I think Mm -hmm. someone put a little something in my water because I'm starting to slur my speech. But anyway, (laughs) uh, so if the ballot initiative is approved by voters, the Michigan legislature can approve the initiative immediately because they've already done so. And uh, it was more or less pocket vetoed by Governor Whitmer, and or as you Scott would say, Governor Gretchen Whitmer, but uh, she pocket vetoed it, just didn't sign it, and just let it die a natural death. And so, if voters decide on this in in November, uh, I think the House and Senate just basically needs to wave it through and it becomes law. So, Hmm. so what it would do is uh, you remember from your Milton Friedman in economics class in college, the uh, school vouchers. So uh, it would establish the student opportunity accounts and eligibility requirements would include qualifying for free and reduced school lunch, families at or below 200% of the free and reduced lunch eligibility and students with disabilities. So uh, the accounts can be used for many, many things, many things. I had a bullet point in here, but our editor in his infinite wisdom decided to take the bullet points out because uh, long cumbersome paragraphs are so much fun to read. The (laughs) accounts can be used for online classes, Wi-Fi and laptops, tutoring and tuition, transportation, skilled training and career and technical education expenses, textbooks and curriculum materials, summer school and after school programs, occupational, behavioral and speech therapies and mental health services. So uh, the... The Democrats are opposed to this. I mean, one of the reasons why uh, the Governor did not sign this when it was on her desk is basically because, well, there's a lot of reasons. But one would have to say that uh, there would there's a major funding for her campaigns comes from. The Michigan Education Association, and they are very much opposed to this because you're basically allowing families the money that taxpayer dollars to follow the students wherever the parents want them to go. So that that's one thing, and uh, so afterwards, once once the Bureau of Election canvases, the petitions to ensure sufficient valid signatures have been submitted. The petition will be certified by the Board of State Canvassers and placed on the ballot. So, uh, another thing that uh, would be uh, posed by the many Democrats and many Republicans as well is uh, the initiative uh, was funded in part by the DeVos family, Betsy DeBoss, who was, uh, lives in Western Michigan, uh, from, uh, the Amway fortune. And she was also the much vilified, and I would have to say unfairly in many aspects, uh, when she was secretary of education in Donald Trump's cabinet. So... We shall see what happens there, but that's something we're going to keep an eye on uh, in terms of polling, What how this is faring prior to the election. And obviously, I'm going to have you stay up very, very, very late, even later than you stayed up for the primary election, Scott, so that you can follow this when uh, we have the general election on November 8th.
1: I'll be looking forward to it.
0: I'm sure you will. I can tell by the look on your face that you're you're extremely excited about this. So I think that's about all the time we have for today. But uh, Scott McClellan, I'd like to thank you for being here.
1: Thank you so much for having me.
0: Scott McClellan is the Center Square's Michigan reporter. And Michigan in Focus is powered by the Center Square. Michigan in Focus is a production of America's Talking Network, and you can find all of the Center Square's great podcasts at americastalking.com. That's americastalking.com. If you enjoyed this podcast, we ask you to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Bruce Walker, Midwest Regional Editor of the Center Square Newswire Service. Listen for another episode of Michigan in Focus next week.